Hello, my name is uh, Maximilian Schich. I'm an art historian and a complex network researcher who has spent a couple of years at the Barabasi Lab and right now I'm in the group of Dirk Helbing at ETH in Zurich. My name is Isabel Meirelis and I'm Associate Professor of Graphic Design at the Northeastern University in Boston. I'm Roger Molina. I'm an astrophysicist. I currently am working at the University of Texas Dallas in the ATEC program. And I'm also at the observatory, Astronomical Observatory in Marseille in France. Yeah, today we're going to talk about arts, humanities and complex networks, which is a project which is now going on for some three years. And we are, we are the team of people coming, the core team actually, there's other people involved, coming together for one key aim in a sense. Uh, so it started out as a symposium series and uh, it's growing to be more whose um, initial key aim was to basically amend the list of official disciplines, which are biology, environmental sciences, computer sciences, information sciences, social sciences, finance and business. So these are the, these are the disciplines which are usually accredited to, to network science conferences and um, used in the calls for journals and so on. And we have the feeling that that actually should be comma arts and humanities, period. Simply for the reason that wherever we look in the humanities and the arts, um, if you look at the data, you encounter from time to time complex networks. And if you look a little closer, they turn out to be everywhere. And so basically that led to the fact that we actually came together through one particular person who is Laszlo Barabasi, uh, who is a famous network scientist. Uh, who runs a lab at Northeastern University. And um, so basically, from my point of view, it, looked, it was like this, that there was a loose group of people doing humanities-related stuff, including myself. I did my PhD on, on basically reception and visual similarity and dependence of drawings over the centuries. And uh, basically, I said to Laszlo after uh, the NetSci in 2009, where there was some people working in that area, it would be really great to do a symposium where we actually put the comma arts and humanities to that list. And then he said, like, yeah, you should talk to Isabel, who is an information design professor here at Northeastern, and you should also talk to Roger Molina. Here's his phone number. And I called him, and we agreed in, like, 20 seconds, I guess, that we should do that. And so here we are, right? And what I'm basically will talk about a little bit now is about the symposium series and then the ebook which came out of that. And the symposium series is something which functions like a radar beacon, right? So coming out of a particular humanities discipline, and humanities disciplines can be quite large, right? So art history is a large subject where hundreds and thousands of people are doing this. It's impossible to look at all other disciplines where you have overlap with, right? To, to grasp all the papers in, say, social science or all the papers in English literature which are relevant for you. So the idea was to have complex networks, which is somehow became a lingua franca, actually, in other disciplines like biology and physics, to and use that that meme or, or, or basically area as a radar beacon to bring together people which we didn't see on our menu in a sense, right? And that's what, what it was and it really worked out in a sense. So uh, now in the third year, we have a satellite symposium with a really, really low acceptance rate. Last year we had 16% and this year we have about 23, I think. 
So that's something which for a conference in the natural science is really rare. It's actually a acceptance rate you would usually expect, say, in a computer science conference. And a little bit about the topics we we're talking about. So um, that's something which we didn't define on the first hand, right? So what we were actually doing is we were looking at the papers coming in. And then now, by year three, we have a really kind of balanced set of five buckets, which are obviously overlapping and have to be taken with a grain of salt. The, the contributions can really be dissected into, say, networks and culture, networks and humanities, networks and art, research and network visualization, which is somehow another perspective, which I will talk about a little bit. And then you have also art about networks, right? So you have art about networks would mean there could be a network scientist who uses his or her visualizations to do artworks, or there could be an artist who is inspired by complex network research and actually does art. Then research in network visualization, which Isabel um, will talk a little bit more about, is something which is quite interesting because that's one of the overarching things, right? Because complex networks are too large and often too complicated to actually um, subsume them, say, in a sentence or a paragraph of text or a couple of numbers, so we often visualize them. So network visualization is something which um, acts like the lingua franca across all the fields which are involved because we all have to visualize networks because, in a sense, texts and, uh, and, and a set of numbers are often insufficient to actually describe a network uh, in its full, um, in, its, in all its aspects. And so basically what, we are, uh, what, what, what is necessary to do is to talk about the convention of network visualizations, right? And I think Isabel will go more into detail there. And then the other three areas, networks in art, networks in the humanities, networks in culture, are actually one bucket which we dissect into things which look different, uh, but actually belong together which they could be subsumed with the, the word uh, research about networks in culture, arts, and humanities, right? So basically, um, if you look at data sets taken out of, say, archaeology uh, or history or literature, linguistics, or art research, very research is done about, say, paintings or architecture, Wherever you look in all the aspects of these data sets, you find complex networks. And to give you an idea about this, this is really something you could call an ecology of networks because all of them are interacting. And there is a couple of dimensions which are objects. Obviously, there is documents and there is the subjects of the documents, which would be the paintings. There is people, there is locations, and there is time ranges or periods or eras, which all are discretized in these data sets, right? So for example, a birth year would be some discrete object in the database. And you can ask yourself, what's the connectivity of all these entities in the databases? And it turns out there's always in any dimension a very, very small amount of, of objects, which has a lot of connections to all the other entities in the database, and a lot of them are actually very weakly connected. And this is one of the one of the signatures of complex networks, and the interesting game taking place there is, looking at arts and humanities data, we can actually explore the ecology in a very, very interesting way, because we have all the aspects of complex networks in one place, 
which is different from, say, classical social science, where people work about people, or biology, where people work about the aspects of organisms and stuff. So I think we, we, we really are on the verge of exploring a lot of different aspects of our world, because complex networks are some ubiquitous phenomenon which is everywhere in the data we have, but nobody has taken a proper look at it. Because we all were basically herded in our own fields within the herding area, right? So basically art historians would work about art, literature people would, would work about texts, uh, social science people would work about people. And of course there was overlap going on, but right now, to give you one example, if you talk about art history and archeology, span you could actually make a matrix of documents and monuments, for example, where if you take a look at the columns, which are the monuments, you're an archaeologist, or you could take a look at the lines, which are the documents, so you're an art historian. So basically, by being a network scientist, you do both at the same time, and that could be worked out in any combinations of the field. Let me talk about the sections of the e-book, uh, which we have just brought out, which is basically a collection of Uh, special section articles in Leonardo Journal, which is dedicated to our topic of arts, humanities, and complex networks. And I will give you a little glimpse into it by just picking one paper for every section, actually from our upcoming symposium, which will take place on June 19 near Chicago at Northwestern University. And I'll just give you a little glimpse. So networks and culture, for example. There is a contribution by Elia Meeks uh, of Stanford University, who looks at the geospatial network uh, of the Roman world, and basically he looks at the, at the cost of transportation. So think of up until, say, a couple of months ago, you would, if you want to have an overview of the Roman world, you would look at a historic atlas or the Poitengeriana map, but you, you would have a hard time to actually estimate the cost to go from, say, Athens to, to, to say, London, right? And this is something you can do with this, uh, with this kind of application uh, or website they do. Networks in the humanities, there is something which is very interesting. I think the major part of what's called digital humanities is actually text-based, right? An interesting thing in there is that a lot of the work done there um, at least unconsciously works with complex networks. And here we have one contribution by Marco Büchler and Greg Crane Uh, and, and Gerhard Heyer, which talks about the historical relevance of text, which is basically a complex network between texts, right? Where uh, the relevance is emerging out of other texts referring to the original texts. And then you could basically draw these barcodes of, of text where you can see what is really interesting in Plato, for example. And networks in art, this is also something very, very interesting. Here, something interesting is emerging if you look at the at the network dimensions in, in applications where you wouldn't really expect networks involved. So here we will have a keynote by Pedro Chano, who has a company that actually listens to radio stations in 50 countries, and they electronically, basically or algorithmically, extract what songs are played. That's uh, the business model of that company is actually to sell, the, uh, to sell the number of plays per song to the artists and to the rights um, owners or you know, the companies who basically deal with, uh, with the distribution of the, of, of the rights by radio play. And the interesting thing there is this only works because in the background you need complex network science to do the pattern matching and so on. So Pedro Chano is an electrical engineer who has a grounding in network science, 
who then came up with this application and does something with music where you, do, you wouldn't really expect that networks play a role. So they're really everywhere. And I think Isabel can talk a little bit more about uh, the other areas, net, research on network visualization and art about networks. So coming from an area of art and design, I actually would like just to give you highlights of what we have in the ebook in the areas, in the topics under these areas of art and, and design and in visualization uh, in particular. So as Max pointed out, we have a theme called Networks in Art and we have a combination of different people that presented papers in that area that are art educators, art historians, cognitive scientists, computer scientists, entrepreneurs, musicologists, and physicists. So what is also interesting when we look at the presentations that we have in all the areas that we cover in the ebook and in the series of symposia is there is a, a real interdisciplinary uh, activity going on. And so, for example, in the, as I was uh, mentioning, the networks in art, we have, you know, works that is actually quite fascinating that is entitled Sustaining a Global Community in Art and Religion in the Network Baroque Hispanic American Painting, which actually, you know, studies the connections between genre and religious themes in a data set of over 11,000 paintings in the Hispanic Peninsula. And this is led by a group in Spain by Juan Luis Suarez. Another good example, it's actually a very intriguing and detailed account on a very famous uh, Fluxus artist, Masiunas, is actually by the German art historian Astrid Simic Burkhardt, and it's called Networking with Masiunas. And, you know, and those are all contributed talks to our symposium, but not everything in the art or in the theme of networks in art is actually in the visual arts. As Max mentioned, we have papers that are actually in, in other areas, like music. So we had two very interesting papers that are in the ebook, and one is actually from the cognitive psychology aspect, looking at music perception, and it's called Complexity of Musical Experiences in the Brain, led by Robin Wilkin group at, in North Carolina. And we also had uh, Networks of Contemporary Popular Musicians, which is actually done by a researcher in the University of Seoul, June Park, we actually is trying to understand the collaboration versus the similarity of music in large networks. So the other part of the art, right, is actually the art about networks. And here we mostly have artists. And I would like to highlight one of our keynotes in the first symposium of arts, humanities and complex networks in 2010, Ward Shelley, who is a New York-based artist, who wrote the paper called Narcotic of the Narrative. And actually, you know, he shares uh, with us and his fascination and inspiration by Alfred Barr, the important uh, art historian and, and figure from the, the, the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and how actually, you know, he got fascinated with mapping connections in the arts and 
in different cultural aspects of his private life and uh, historical life in the tradition of, uh, for example, Mark Lombardi, right? And we have other contributed talks that we have constantly in every single instance of our symposium. We've always had very interesting submissions for art. And so very briefly, just, you know, I'd like to mention Jen Prophet's work on stem cell simulation, Anna Dimitriou from the UK on uh, visual art and cybernetic uh, bacteria, and George Legardy, who actually did this fascinating presentation last year in 2011 in our symposium in Budapest entitled Culture, Data and Algorithm Organization. Well, the last item I would like to talk about is one of the areas in which I do most of my research, which is in visualization of data in general. And here we are talking more in particular to network visualization, even though the theme of our symposium is on the cut of, you know, kind of focusing on networks. But because of the ubiquity of networks, in many fields of research, we actually see visualizations and presentations in our symposium and also in the book, which can be expanded to broader themes. So I would like to highlight two keynotes. And so one is actually our keynote of 2011, Natalie Hish, who is a visualization designer or information visualization visualizer. And she's a researcher at a Microsoft Research Lab in Seattle. And she presented this very important paper on matrices on the tradition of Jacques Bertin, who is one of the pioneers uh, in terms of network visualization. He was a cartographer, a French cartographer. And so Nathalie's uh, title is actually pursuing the work of Jacques Bertin and so how actually she moved the whole research on matrices and um, reordering and all that into our digital realm. And finally, I would like just to highlight the, the keynote that we'll have this year in 2012, in June 19th. And that is Mariah Mayer, who is an assistant professor at the University of Utah. She's also an information visualizer and from computer science as well. And uh, she'll be talking about the importance of specific made visualizations. And her, her work mostly is on biology and she has worked with the Broad Institute and others at Harvard University and now she's teaching at Utah. One final thing is that the importance of the interdisciplinarity both in the people presenting and the fields in which the information is presented but also the fact that we all come from different areas Max, Roger and I and because when we started the symposium Max and I were both at Northeastern University we've had a continuous support and generous funding from Northeastern University different colleges so the College of Arts, Media and Design the College of Sciences and the Center for Complex and Network Research who have been very generous in supporting the series of symposium, which eventually helped with the ebook. Okay, so um, this is Roger Molina. I'm the executive editor of the Leonardo Publications at MIT Press. For me, the story uh, on this project began in 2003 when I read the book Linked by Laszlo Barabasi, which introduced me to the recent research 
in uh, the mathematics and, and science of complex networks. The Leonardo publications for about 10, 15 years have been publishing work about art and complexity science. There have been a lot of interest in the science of complexity, artificial life, and, and those subjects. And what struck me in reading Linked was indeed there were some very new ideas and new techniques that were beginning to appear in this emerging field of research. Uh, we went on to invite Laszlo to be a keynote speaker at the Leonardo 40th anniversary conference in Prague in 2007. And at that time, we had a couple of discussions where Laszlo made very clear that he thought there was a really open uh, territory to look at the implications of, of the, the math and science of complex networks on the arts and humanities. And so, as Max uh, explained, actually quite quickly then uh, with Isabel and him and, and I, we put together an initiative within the Leonardo publications. The ebook itself that we just produced is part of the Leonardo initiative at the ATEC program at the University of Texas, Dallas, where I'm now a, um, a distinguished uh, chair of art and technology and professor of physics. I just want to mention also that this project is also connected to another Leonardo initiative, which is called Studio Labs, which is a European consortium over the next three years that links cultural and scientific organizations and one of the topics of study and, and workshops and publication is indeed on the, the linkage between arts and culture and, and complex network science. One of the things that I, I just wanted to bring into this discussion, I'm a, a working physicist, astrophysicist, and in the 1980s, I lived through the digital transition in astronomy. And so, in, in some sense, I sort of have a bit of a, a deja vu right now, seeing the, the arts and humanities going through similar transitions. Now, of course, after astronomy, genetics went through a similar transformation into genomics, and there was a lot of discussion then at the time about how these digital transitions were affecting different scientific fields. In 2005, in the Leonardo book series, we published a book called Code, Collaborative Ownership for the Digital Economy, where indeed where there are a number of papers from different disciplines looking at the impact of the digital transition uh, in different fields, including genomics, astronomy, and so on. And so I just wanted to make sort of a, a meta statement here, which for me, this work in the mathematics and science of complex networks is really interesting because it seems to me it's an example of, of what might be called the post-digital uh, humanities. The humanities and the arts are only just going through these digital transitions. And of course, that digital transition is a technical transition, but it has very deep uh, epistemological consequences on the, the work of artists and scientists in terms of the work they can do after that transition has been made. There are two parts of that. Of course, people like Max are born digital, maybe not quite, but uh, so clearly people who are born digital have a fluency with digital tools, which in fact uh, allows them to very easily look at certain kinds of questions that are very difficult for people who are not born digital to, to look at. And so very naturally their research agendas evolve in a different direction than people who are, who are not born digital. The other part of that is uh, what's called the big data transition. When you go from a situation of very scarce data, typically a humanities scholar spends years going to primary sources, finding original documents, drawings, maps, to a situation where they have access to very large databases and data sets. In fact, this is not just a small uh, thing, it really has a major impact on the kinds of research agendas that get uh, put forward. Immediately you get into very interesting arguments 
about the role of mathematics in a particular field of inquiry. And in the social sciences and humanities, clearly the mathematics and science of complex networks poses some quite deep methodological questions and epistemological questions that, that are much debated, including the fact that, of course, you can only, if you're a digital humanities person, you can only study the data that's been digitized. And, of course, every data source is a biased data source. I mean, that was true, obviously, with manuscripts and, and paper, but one has to be very aware of the biases in one's data sets. And so uh, how one really understands the contingencies of one uh, research results on those biases is very important. So for me, this has been a very exciting project. And as Max and Isabel have said, we kind of feel this is just the beginning of the story. People that otherwise would not have been meeting in the same conference are beginning to meet. New collaborations are being spawned. And we don't know yet the kind of major impacts that this could have in future years. And so I'm very pleased uh, to be able to work with Max and Isabel so the Leonardo uh, publications can serve also as part of the radar system that Max mentioned, where indeed most people in these different research communities don't know each other's work, and both the publications and the conferences are on one way of facilitating those interactions. Okay, thanks, Roger. And also thanks, Isabel, for providing the input. At the end now, I would like to point a little bit to, to the people who were helping us and making the whole thing happening. There is Tiana Stepanovich, who is an art curator in Budapest, who was the local co-organizer last year. And this year we have another local co-organizer whose name is Christian Huep, who is an electronic musician, who basically 50% of his time is a musician, and the other 50% he is actually a complexity scientist, which is something interesting because that's something which is little known outside of complex network research, people dealing with complex networks, that complexity science is actually something which is quite distinct, right? which is a little bit older, uh, it has a little bit different techniques and complex network science, the new thing, which is something weird, the really new thing is actually that we have more data and now we can do data-based research, which was not possible to that extent before, of course, uh, there has been data-driven stuff before. But the interesting thing there is that right now networks gives us the opportunity to merge all these topics, right? In the arts and humanities, people are finding out they have networks all over the place. Most of the time, they find out if they have large enough data sets that these networks are complex. And in the end, they will start communicating even to classic complexity science. And complexity science people who used to do uh, stuff like cleometrics, like measuring history with models, with uh, numerical models and, and analytical models, now they can actually meet up with the humanities people and actually get data sets which they didn't have in the 1980s, for example, right? And that brings me to, 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 to a point uh, where we actually try to bring all these experts together. Uh, at our next symposium in Chicago, we will run a panel and this panel will discuss the place of arts and humanities and complex network science and uh, basically aims to bring together people from these different fields. There will be Laszlo Barabasi, there will be one of the people who is involved with this year's NetSci at Northwestern University, and there will be somebody who uh, is an organizer of NetSci next year in Copenhagen, Peter Holner, by the way, with a contribution to the High Throughput Humanities Symposium in Lisbon, where we also added some contribution to the ebook. And the interesting point there is that basically all these people bring together different aspects. 
And, and together with Chris and Web, we'll have the complex systems part and Isabel, who will speak for basically network visualization and information design. We will actually discuss if, if our key mission is actually doable to put comma arts and humanities to the series of disciplines which are relevant in network science conferences. What does it mean for the publication structure, for example? Or is there a back and forth? Do we have to rely on natural scientists doing humanities questions? Or what are the prospects of collaboration for these people? And so on. And uh, I think we are in a very, very exciting phase of, uh, of a still emerging field, which is growing exponentially. And it's somewhat scary if you look back and see the wave coming. And basically with that, uh, all that's left for me is now to thank MIT Press for having us here in this conversation, to thank the people involved in the symposium and obviously in this publication effort and the, the growing field in general. I think it's the time to mingle and do something great and understand uh, aspects of the world that we didn't understand before. Thank you very much. This has been an MIT Press Journals podcast. For more information about Leonardo or any of our publications, please visit our website at www.mitpressjournals.org.